0: Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly great joy. Tonight's message is a diabolical plot. Have you ever wondered how America, the greatest nation in the world, and the greatest superpower has been brought down so swiftly? In the first three centuries, the church fulfilled its civil duties By instructing its members in a biblical worldview, however, towards the end of the 19th century, the clergy ceased preaching political sermons, like election, anniversary, artillery, and execution sermons. The church, according to McDowell and Bilal's, also neglected the Sabbath. Deuteronomy 5.15 reveals that one purpose of the Sabbath was to remember God's hand in history This once was a regular practice in Sunday schools, as well as Sabbath day traditions in the home. The parents and grandparents would tell stories to their children on Sunday about how God's hand was seen in their home, church, and nation. This has become extinct. One reason for America's secularization is that Christians have neglected societal institutions, the family schools, government, the economy, business, etc. We must remember that Christians developed and governed these institutions for the first three centuries of America's history. Due to false thinking, corrupt doctrine, Christians retreated from government, media, education, and law because they saw these things as secular, dirty, and non-spiritual. The vacuum they left was filled by secularists who controlled these spheres for most of the 20th century and on to the present. As our government slowly moved away from godly ideas and morals, we embraced greed and materialism, and prosperity grew. In 1905, in the loft above Peck's restaurant, At 140 Fulton Street in Lower Manhattan, a group of young men met to plan the overthrow of the predominantly Christian worldview that still pervaded America. That's 117 years ago. At the first meeting, five men were present Upton Sinclair, that name may be familiar to you. At the time, he was 27 years old, a writer and a socialist. Jack London, also a writer, Thomas Wentworth Higgins, a Unitarian minister, J.G. Phelps Stokes, husband of a socialist leader, and Clarence Darrow, a lawyer. Remember Clarence Darrow and the Monkey Scopes trial. He was the attorney for the man trying to bring evolution into the school system. Their organization was called the Intercollegiate Socialist Society. Their purpose was to promote an intelligent interest in socialism among college men and women. These men were exponents of the ideas of Karl Marx. They slowly infiltrated the public schools of our nation. By 1912, there were 44 chapters in 44 colleges. In 1907, Charles and Mary Beard began to popularize Marx's ideas in their revisionist history books. These false ideas gradually began to influence what was taught in public schools across our nation. So just think about that for a moment. 1907, that's a long time ago. These false ideas gradually began to influence what was taught in public schools Across our nation, Charles and Mary were colleagues of John Dewey, the godfather of progressive education. So do you see how this evil satanic plan to ruin our children began? Ever so slowly, but ever so carefully constructed and manipulated. There were other issues and ideas that were working in tandem with all of that. It was the belief about uh, that God was sovereign. He made every nation having determined times and the boundaries of their habitation. Our founders and early generations of Americans were unified and motiv- motivated by this basic truth. But teaching on the sovereignty of God was gradually replaced by a new ideology, existentialism. Existentialists believed history is meaningless and the future unpredictable, and therefore to plan and work for goals is hopeless. Instead, their philosophy is, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. It is totally present-oriented and hedonistic. One man, Marshall Foster, warned, Many Christians have subconsciously adopted the existential view of history. They de-emphasize their importance in a God-ordained historical chain of Christianity, and they see themselves simply as individuals God has plucked out of an evil world who are now just awaiting heaven. Their sense of responsibility for the past and their hope and planning for the building of the future are lost in the quote now generation end quote where they are called to focus on self improvement. This attitude covers the burden of guilt that lays heavily on the head of American Christians, but it does not alleviate their responsibility for our nation's crisis until the Christian comes to grips with his historical duties, denouncing his existential perspective and reaffirming the providential view of history, the renewal of our nation will be impossible. In colonial America, the God of the Bible was seen as sovereign over men and their property, reflecting the biblical worldview of the Reformation. But in the past 100 years, a disarming doctrine which sees Satan as the sovereign of this world has been accepted by many in Christian circles. Many Bible teachers today see Jesus as an absentee king who is concerned exclusively with building and maintaining his church until he returns to earth. They see Jesus as having authority and right to rule, but as having giving, given over powers to subjugate the world temporarily to Satan. The worldview of the Reformers was diametrically opposite to this view. Jesus Christ is the ruler of the earth. 1 Timothy 6.16, 6, Hebrews 2.14, And Colossians 2.15, Satan is a defeated foe. One's attitude toward the sovereignty issue is of paramount importance because it affects what is done in every area of life. Now, here is the contrast. And McDowell and the Lowell's came up with this, so I'm just sharing what they've written in their book If you see God ruling the earth, number one, your commission is to subdue the earth and build godly nations through evangelizing and discipleship. Number two, you see Christian culture as leavening all areas of life, replenishing the earth, and blessing all mankind. Three, all of God's world is his, and every activity to be seen as a spiritual work of God Four, Reformation is expected if a nation is obedient to God's word. Now, that's if you see God ruling the earth. But if you see Satan ruling the earth, your commission is just to concentrate on saving souls from this evil world. And you see Christian culture as a counterculture, an isolated, persecuted minority in an evil world. Church activity is primary and spiritual, while worldly pursuits are secular and to be dealt with only as a necessity. And lastly, reformation is impossible since things must get worse because Satan is control. I don't know about you, but I prefer the first if you see God ruling the earth. I prefer, from my perspective, I see God ruling the earth, not Satan ruling the earth. But you can see the subtle differences there. And I have actually heard ministers, I've actually heard other Christians have this perspective as as if Satan is ruling the earth currently. The above contrasts, really do illustrate the importance of ideas in determining consequences. Because to the degree Christians have abdicated their leadership role and denied the crown rights to Jesus Christ, to that degree, the humanists have filled the void. And boy, have they filled the void. They have done an exceedingly great job at it. What is the remedy for the corruption and neglect of these vital doctrines? It is the restoration of the New Testament church in its practical theology and biblical reasoning and worldview. You see, after the Civil War, liberal churchmen of the North continued emphasizing social reform, but without the Bible as the basis. This is sometimes called the social gospel. That's exactly what's happening today. We're trying to reform society through social means, but without any biblical foundation. The more fundamental or Bible-based churchmen of the South, after the military defeat of the South, became fatalistic they retreated to emphasizing only religious or church concerns and viewed most social movements with suspicion. So two new Christian positions developed among these fundamentalists. Number one, an eschatology of defeat and escape. And number two, a separation of church and state, that concept that sanctioned their non-involvement in society. So I think it's clear that we can see if you develop either of those positions that's not healthy but you can you can listen to a lot of Christians today who are just they're just waiting to escape they're waiting to go home and be with Jesus and so they they are not interested. They're not concerned in being involved in what exactly is going on in the nation today. If you have the separation of church and state mentality, mentality, well then that makes it easy for you to not be involved in society. Both of those are unhealthy. Both of those are not what we want. They certainly aren't what we need today in our nation. There's always a lot of talk about revival today. You hear lots of ministers talking about revival. Revival's good. I'm not against revival. Revival results in the establishment of truth in man and society. So that's a good thing. Charles Finney defined revival as, quote, nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. So we do need revival. Recovery of truth as revealed in the Bible, is a central aspect of any revival. And that's a good thing. Prattney writes that revival is not magical. It's not mystical. It is, as far as men are concerned, a heartfelt return to love and faith in the living living and written word. And I think most of us would agree that revival is Basically, just a return to God. So, if we are backslidden, if we're lukewarm, if we're apostate, revival is needful because we are not accomplishing the mandate that we've been called to do. So, revival is necessary. Absolutely, in our nation today, we need revival. We certainly need revival. But more than that, we need transformation. You see, revival is not merely the conversion of many people, though this does occur in revivals. And we've had plenty of them in the United States, starting back with the American Revolution, First Great Awakening, then Second Great Awakening. We've had the Cane Ridge Revival here. Revival involves the conversion of men and institutions. So it's not revival I guess we could even call that more reformation. Revival is the conversion of people, but when institutions are then revived, transformation can occur. Revival has not occurred until truth is encoded within a nation via changed laws and societal institutions. So until we see laws being changed that are much more um, in line with the biblical view, then we're not really seeing much change. The recent reversal of Roe versus Wade has been a very positive move for the Christian community. So history shows us that the entire culture is transformed when true biblical revivals occur. And that's what we are hoping for. We are hoping for a third great awakening where the entire culture is transformed. When the revival comes like a flood, then the culture will be transformed. We, that's what we're believing, and that's what we're praying for. We must continually fight spiritual entropy, a decline to a lower spiritual state. And, and that's kind of where we are because there's so much apathy in the church. We must constantly add fuel to the fire within us and keep the flames burning. We must keep alive the passion and life within us. And how do we do that? We do that by staying in God's word, staying in communion with him, staying together with the body meeting regularly, gathering regularly. We must labor to be salt and light in our society, for as we do, corruption will subside. Proverbs 29.2 says, The righteous will be in authority, and the people rejoice. Well, we know that we're groaning ever since Mr. Biden moved into the White House, we have been groaning because of a false election. We are groaning. And as a result of the laws that have been changed and the things that were accomplished under President Trump that have been deleted, the good things A good thing, like, right before President Trump finished his term, he started to put a project in place that would be in all the schools, talking about 1776, about our Christian history, our Christian roots. Well, as soon as Mr. Biden came to the office of president, he removed it. He deleted it with an executive order. So there were so many executive orders on day one that were very good for the American people that were absolutely deleted immediately. So we're groaning under the weight of the unrighteous things that are happening in our nation, the transgender movement to get children as young as three years old, indoctrinated in transgenderism, the move to let's open the border and allow millions of people illegally to cross our border, come into our country, and make it a very unsafe place. So when... The righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But the righteous are not in authority, and we are groaning under that. God understands the need for renewed life and mercifully has sent his spirit to revive mankind. He has come down many times to bring people and nations to life. There have been many revivals across the world, and he desires to do that today as a remedy for decline. We need not just revival, we need restoration of truth, and we need the total restoration of all society. All seven spheres of our society need reformed. Today, the American Christian Republic still stands by the grace of God. And notice that I said the American Christian Republic. I didn't say American Republic said Christian Republic for a reason, because we were founded on Christian biblical principles. And so our republic is an American Christian republic, even though it doesn't look like one today. And by the grace of God, we still exist. Yet our foundations have been seriously eroded away. Think back to what I said about in 1907 when this married couple decided to begin revising our history. I would love to look at the history books from that period of time and look at the history books 50 years prior to see what was changed, what was deleted. Here we are, 117 years later, and things are continuing to be revised. The history books are continuing to be revised. I've talked about that many times. So we're being eroded at our very foundation. If children are being taught erroneous statements about our country, about how we came into being, about who we are as a people. With the Marxist-Socialist ideas, you can imagine. You can imagine what, how things are changing and why they're changing. If our nation's problems were the result of some conspiracy of men, the solution would be beyond the reach of most of us. And then fatalism, apathy, and despair would prevail. However, since God says the real problem began, I want you to hear that clearly. The real problem began with our neglect. When I say our, I mean the church. Our neglect. Then the solution is within the grasp of the church. So, The church is the reason, totally, totally, the church is the reason. The church went into retreat, created a vacuum, secularization came in, filled that vacuum, and here we are today. But because we understand what the problem is, we also know the solution. If we accept our responsibility and do our duty, We have grounds for hope. I have hope. I sure hope you do. But, you know, we have to be diligent, and we have to do all we can do. You know, I was very passionate about, you heard me, if you listened last week, I was passionate about the pastors getting involved, people getting involved, doing, you know, sharing from the pulpit, political things. We are a little late to the game. Well, maybe we're more than a little late, but it's not too late. It really is not too late. We can turn this country around, and I truly believe that we are. I know that many of you may not know evangelist Mario Murillo, He's located out of California, and he has been having old-fashioned tent revivals. And he started with a tiny tent about a year and a half ago. Now, he is getting a 5,000-person tent because he's outgrown the 1,500-person tent. People are coming in droves. He was just in Colorado Springs, Colorado. So many young people, he said, so many young people coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So many documented medical miracles. God is on the move. There's no doubt about that. But it's going to take more than one evangelist to keep bringing about these transformations, revivals, whatever you want to call it. We need to do our part. We need to stand up in our city council meetings when things are against our biblical views. Recently in Wheeling, there was a gay pride parade. Well, apparently there was some really foul language being played in some music, and that was very offensive. It was offensive to young people, was offensive to the parents, whose children had to hear that. So we have a voice. You have a voice. Go to the city council, make your voice known, and just say, hey, we're not going to have this. We don't want this in our city. You can make a difference. Sometimes I think we think we can't make a difference, but we can. Now, I want to tell you about a a program that's on TV. If you have direct TV, you can find the Victory Channel. That's a Christian station, the Victory Channel, on Tuesday night and Thursday night at 8 p.m. for one hour. Flashpoint is the name of the program. And Flashpoint has an incredible program that is educating America about the political things that we are up against. And they have wonderful, wonderful people that are very involved in our nation and trying to make a difference in all aspects of society, law, schools, government, business. So I would really encourage you Now, if you don't have DirecTV, you can pull up Flashpoint on your phone. And I think it's under govictory.com forward slash Flashpoint. But I really encourage you to start watching Flashpoint on the Victory Channel or just go pull it up on your phone. And lastly, I just want to say I want to give a credit to Stephen McDowell and Mark Bilal's book, America's Providential History. If you don't have that in your library, folks, you need to get it. It is phenomenal. Well, I'm out of time, but I look forward to being with you again next week. You can go to www.pureheart.today and listen to this program again. You can go to the app, the iHeartRadio app, and listen to this under the podcast Pure Heart Ministries. I sure do appreciate your prayer, and I would really, really, really love and encourage you to please support this ministry financially. You can write a check and send it to Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box, 85 Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. This is Dawn Noble. Shalom, shalom. Peace be unto you.